The views on a breath of fresh air podcast reflects the parties involved, and we encourage you all to use it as a conversational tool that will lead to personal studies of your own. Welcome to a Breath of Fresh Air podcast. Here with your hosts, Earl Roberts and Nakaz Gay. As a young person, Christianity can be so foggy, like smoke in the mirrors and so unclear. But we're here to bring you a Breath of Fresh Air. Men, gather round. I've been doing a lot of internal thinking just now and... I've come to the conclusion that surely if we stay in this land, we're going to perish by Saul. So there'll be nothing better for us to do than to escape. And I know it's going to sound a bit bad, but the only place we can escape and have security is in the land of the Philistines. The Philistines? I know, I know. I know it doesn't sound that good, but, but hear me out. I'm reasonably sure that Akish is going to give us some land. So, yeah, let's just go for it. Who summons Akish, king of the Philistines? Well, if it isn't David, the Israelite, the one who they sang about, <laughs> what brings you here? If I have found favor in your eyes, let a place be assigned to me in one of the country towns that me and my man can live there. Why should your royal servant live in the royal city with you? The last time I saw you, I was sure to kill you. <laughs> you should have seen yourself. Acting crazy, drool running down your beard. And now you come to me, your mortal enemy, asking for a place to stay? Maybe he is crazy. <laughs> Silence. So I guess the rumors are true. You no longer reside among the Israelites and you live as a fugitive. <laughs> of course you can reside among us. And you are right. We'll give you Israelites a city of your own. That way you don't have to intermingle with us. Philistines. <laughs> Men, as I promised, we got the city of Ziklag. And I know this isn't the most ideal of situations, but I just want you guys to trust me. This is only temporary until Saul is no longer king. But to sustain ourselves, we're going to have to get down and dirty. We're going to have to raid. And I mean, we're going to have to raid the Gershites, the Gerizites, and the Amalekites. And men, when we do this, we have to kill everyone. No women, no children, no sheep, no goat. Nothing can survive because we can't let it get back to Akish, what we are doing. Welcome back, David and the Israelites. <laughs> you guys look pretty beat. Where did you go off to today? Well, King, we went against the southern area of the Jeremalites, against the southern area of the Kenites, and against the southern area of Judah. Did he just say what I think he said? <laughs> he's so loyal to me that he's even become obnoxious to the Israelites. <laughs> what happens when someone reaches their lowest point? What happens when you drive someone away who is filled with the presence of God? This week we are focusing on 1 Samuel chapter 27 and discussing David's decision to dwell amongst his enemies, the Philistines. As always, be blessed and enjoy. Alright, welcome back to another episode of A Breath of Fresh Air podcast. Thanks for tuning in this week again. My name is Earl Roberts. My name is Nikaz Gay. I'm going to let you introduce our guest. Yes, and we have a, a special guest, you know. I feel like all our guests are special, but um, today we have, you know, a fellow wordsmith like myself, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's a very talented rapper, I must say. 
uh, Christian rapper at that. You know what I'm saying? And he's also a theo theologian. He and I actually met at Oakwood University. I feel like my freshman year, so I knew him for almost a decade now, bro. That's crazy. That's, That's crazy. crazy so without further ado, I just want to introduce you all to my friend, Wilfredo. Hello. hello. Thank you guys for uh, having me on, man. This is dope. Yeah, bro. I'm really excited, you know what I'm saying, for, for this conversation, for this yeah. discussion. Oh, yes. We're about to have a great time, a great time. So, um, everyone who's listening on a streaming platform, you know the drill. Definitely give us a rating of your choice. I'm not going to tell you what to give us. If you're listening on YouTube and you're not subscribed yet, definitely hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button or the dislike button. I'm not picky. I mean, I would prefer, <laughs> I would prefer you hit the like button, right. personally speaking. <laughs> but, hey, if you don't like what we're saying, you can definitely dislike. But if you definitely do hit that dislike button, let us know why by leaving us a comment. We definitely appreciate that, too. Mm. Um... But to kick it off real quick for our weekly thought this week, I just have a question to pose. With all the things that are going around in today's society, I mean, this episode is going to come back, back dated, but this is the week of the Texas school shooting. So mm. we've seen in the last two years, a lot of things have happened. Mm. A lot of things. Wars, pandemic, racial injustice, mass shootings. And the, this week I was just had the question on my mind, like, what is the role of a Christian in today's society? Mm. Because just as some background, like, there are some people who say, if you choose a side, you speak out, you're, 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 you're playing into the system, and you can't speak out. Then people saying, like, we should speak out against injustices no matter what. And then there's times it's like people just saying, like, we just need to, you know, God's coming soon. This is all part of prophecy. <laughs> yeah, true. It don't matter what you do. And personally, I have a, mix of all three mm. you know what i'm saying like yeah true because yes these are the end times the end times like god prophesied that certain things will signs will happen before the end yeah we can see them but does that mean just because the world is going to poop should i not speak out mm. should i not try to at least curb some of the wrongs and justice that are happening to some marginalized groups mm. like what is like I just want to get you guys' perspective. Like, yeah. Um, man, it's interesting because, like, I think many times some denominations, right? For example, uh, Adventism, um, the one that I grew up in, right? Uh, we tend to focus a lot on prophecy, right? And sometimes that's, that's the, the response is, you know, well, the these solution. These are the last days. Yeah, these last days. The solution to this is Jesus. So uh, let's just stay out of it and preach the gospel. Um, and what's crazy is, is that many times when you look at the word prophecy, it has two definitions and many people don't actually talk about this. So it's rather interesting because in every church I, I go to and I'm preaching, I always share this point. Mm. And, um, it's, it's the first one, it's forth foretelling, right? And that's the one that we're, we're really accustomed to, right? The Daniel, the revelation, the foretelling, you know, the beast and revelation, da, 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 mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, the thousand four, 260 year prophecy, all that stuff. Nice and dandy, you know, but it's foretelling. Right. Um, but the second definition for prophecy is forth telling. Okay, right. Break it down for us, man. Break and, it down. And forth telling <laughs> is speaking on things that is happening in the present. Mm. Things that are affecting the people of God and the people that, you know, in the places that the people of God are in and around. Right. We're called to be exiles. Right. Uh, foreigners in this world. As first Peter talks about the word exile. Also super interesting is that the word exile in our English definition, we think somebody that's isolated. Mm -hmm. But the word exile using that passage is someone that's passing through, but active mm. in their mm. community. Mm. Right. Yeah. So so when you look at the, the word prophecy, right. Foretelling, boom, yes, Daniel, Revelation, Jesus coming, look at the prophecies, oh, the, the end of days. Um, but then you look at, well, the other definition is foretelling. And a good example of that is like when God's speaking to like Isaiah, he's like, prophesy this to the people, right? Mm -hmm. Tell them, da, 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 prophesy this, bro. I'm tired of your worshiping. I'm tired of your songs. I'm tired of this. Don't worship. Don't, don't do any of that stuff. This is, talking about, oh, this is the example Amos, right? Where he's like, I'm tired of all these things because... You don't let justice roll. Like, you literally are forgetting the people. You know, people are getting murdered. People are getting this. And you don't even care about them. You care about the worship service. God's like, I don't care about your worship service. Right? So, the thing with prophecy is, which one is used more in scripture? The foretelling or the foretelling? 
I'd say the fourth telling, actually. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so my thing is always this, and this is what I always kind of say, is like, I think many times we focus so much on our prophetic message that we lose our prophetic voice. Mm. Right? We're so focused on the foretelling message that we lose the foretelling voice that we have to speak into our communities mm-hmm. when it's both. Mm-hmm. You know, it's both. You know, I, I think um, when it comes to the question you asked, uh, as a Christian, what was it again? As a like Christian, what is our role in like current events? But our role in current events, I really believe, is to live the gospel, right? And not just with words. Like actually, when I think of where you were, the, the first thing that came to mind is Luke 4. Because um, we talk about the gospel. What does the gospel look like? Or oh, the gospel is Jesus embodied. Okay, cool. Right? But how did he move? How did he live? How did he talk? How did he treat people? You know, and, and the first thing that he defines it as in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, um, reading from Isaiah, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news, gospel, mm-hmm. to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and set the oppressed free mm. to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know, in all those things, I feel like they have a level of um, like, all right, literal, like, hey, step into people's lives and, and, and be, you know, uh, uh, bring freedom into somebody's life, bring light into somebody's life, but also spiritually as well. There's people that are spiritually blind. There's people that mm. are... Mm. Right, they're in church. Oh, I'm in church. Spiritually oppressed. Spiritually, spiritually oppressed. Yeah. Right. Um, just in bondage, and they think, oh, I go to church, or my grandfather's a pastor, or my family's fourth generation Christian. But that don't matter. Right. And and to the spiritually oppressed thing, I was just thinking about people who, when they might be in a, a religion or a situation where people are very legalistic, uh-huh. and so you can't even you can't even breathe. Without people saying, oh, that's a, that's a sin, that's a yeah, sin. You understand? Bro. So you that's can't like, be a human, you know? That's like psychological torture, bro. And, and that's what I'm saying, bro. Like, we can see that all through the Bible. But we can see that in, in the Adventist church in a lot of ways. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And one of, one of the points, <laughs> bro, and, and, I, and I just think that's so interesting. How, how you mentioned, like, you know, mm-hmm. it could be spiritually and physically. God could have, Jesus could have been talking. But when I think about, to me, a lot of things come back to the Ten Commandments. I saw I saw a, a meme this week that said things we could learn from the Ten Commandments, right? And it was saying that God cares about our possession, thou shalt not covet. Mm-hmm. God cares about our relationships, thou yeah. shalt not commit adultery, X, Y, Z, right? Yeah. And I sit and thought about it like, wow, God is doing that to protect me, you understand? Because he cares about me because he doesn't want me to feel the pain or to feel the anguish or to be murdered or to be hurt or mm-hmm. anything like that. And when Jesus says the two commandments... With, with that hang that hang up mm-hmm. everything love the Lord you understand what I'm saying love your yes. name yes. as yourself yes keep going I'm just saying like if we keep in the commandments I can't see how us sitting here and just saying prophecy 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 when there are people dying yeah. when there are people being marginalized when all things up I can't see how you can tell me that that is loving my neighbor. Yes. Like in any way you can't you can't convince anybody yeah. that that somebody is hungry and I say bro 144,000 You know what I'm saying Like that, you, you feel me Like I, Like I can't see that As being loving my yeah. neighbor And I was Me and my wife We were talking about this bro Everything was in a lesson For Jesus When the woman With the issue of blood Touched Jesus He said who touched me yeah. She explained why She touched him And he said Wow you have great faith Go yeah. He ain't turn around and say, but now nah, let me tell you now. Hey, you hey. feel me? What you lock is, you don't pay the right tithes. You don't do, you understand what I'm saying? Everything was in a lesson, bro. Mm-hmm. Some things was just healing. Some things was just taking care of your needs. Yeah. And then we could go. Yeah. You feel me? Because that's the gospel. Mm-hmm. Jesus, see, I, I work for a hospital and, and they big on extending the healing ministry of Jesus. Jesus did a lot of healing, right? Yeah. So my thing is, if we see people are sick or if we see people that are damaged in some type of way and we ignore mm-hmm. that about them, how can we say we trying to live like Jesus if yeah. we don't if we don't embody some of the components that Jesus was giving out every day? You feel me? Yeah, and I, and I think that's the point uh, is embodying. What can what can a Christian do is literally embody. And that's what I say embody the gospel, um, and just be there for somebody. Indeed, not everybody or every situation calls for a Bible verse. That person may just need a hug. Mm-hmm. One of the most powerful things I, I remember I asked um, Pastor Rojas. Um, the dude that's like super famous, the Mexican guy with like super thick mustache. 
Uh, he came I to Oakwood to speak. I was like an evangelist, like worldwide type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he came to Oakwood to speak, and I remember I, I was able to have just the privilege of being in a group and having dinner with a guy. And I asked him, I was like, yo, this is the question I asked, like all like ministers or people of like, I, I feel like, man, like you, you are, you know, at the top of your game type stuff. I'm like, yo, if you were to give, uh, what would you tell yourself with all the knowledge you have now? What would you tell a younger version of yourself coming into what you're in? Mm. What would be your advice? You know, and he said something to me, and bro, he said this to me like back in like 2018, never forgot it, man. And he's just like, um, people will forget what you say, mm-hmm. but they'll never forget how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. That is true, bro. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow. He's like, presence, mm-hmm. the ministry of presence mm-hmm. is so much bigger than, than, and so much deeper than what you can actually think. Um, he's like, just being there for people. Just being there. And I'm like, man, dude. Um, something I definitely like uh, uh, embody myself, man. Because it's, it's so true, bro. It's just many times some of the connections I made, sometimes the, the, the impact you make is just being present. Like, change my mind, bro. When I when, when saying, if you want to be relevant, just be present. Mm-hmm. Just be present. Be present. If you want to be relevant in somebody's life, be present in someone's life. If you want to be relevant to any kind of thing, just be present, mm-hmm. you know, however that may be. And so when it comes to that aspect of like, what can Christians do now? But just be present. Just be present Definitely. And, and be there for somebody, Definitely. you know, because it's, it's true. The Ten Commandments, you know, and I don't want to go on on this thing, but you're touching on something that's, I think, super important to understand. I really feel that the Ten Commandments are God speaking to like a child, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So take Israel and make it like, a child. God had to literally tell the child, hey, do not commit adultery. Mm. Honor your father and your mother. Right? All, all these things. And then you see Israel then grow throughout the centuries, right? And then when Jesus steps on the scene, they're like, yo, what is the greatest commandment of all? And he's just like, it's two. Right? It's, it's not longer thou shalt not, but thou shalt mm. love God. Thou shalt love thy neighbor. Right? What's interesting, and I never hear anyone say, bro, is that after Jesus ascends, they all, the New Testament writers only focus on one commandment. Which is? What do you think it is? Is it love God with all thy heart, mind, and soul, or love thy neighbor as yourself? Which one? I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a hint. The second one. Love your neighbor. And it's crazy. James chapter two says it. He's like, and this is the royal law of scripture. Mm-hmm. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Mm. So when you look at it, what's interesting is that the 10 commandments, it's almost like it just keeps going back. The 10 command example, right? If I were to be like, yo, Kazi, uh, growing up, your parents, you have a, a room that's dirty or whatever, right? Well, let's say you have, you know, one day have children, you know what I'm saying? You got the little kids in the house, you know that? You'd be like, hey, clean the room. That's a commandment. Mm-hmm. Clean the room. Did you tell them exactly how to clean the room? No. No, just clean the room. This is how it should be. When I come back, the room just better be clean. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, when you look at the Ten Commandments, God is being, number one, the commandments given is an act of grace. Mm-hmm. God is literally showing his people, I don't want a relationship that's manipulative. You don't got to guess with me. This is the relationship. Mm-hmm. You don't got to try to sacrifice this. And all. No, 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 no. This is it right here. Don't manipulate it. I'm not, this is not it. This is not the other gods, right? Lowercase g, yeah. <laughs> right? This is, this is it. Just do this, right? Now, all those commandments are pointing to the essence of what God is trying to bring it, and it's just love, mm-hmm. right? Love. How do I show love? Man, I don't try to take dude's wife. How do I show love? I don't try to cheat on my wife. How do I show love? I don't try to cover what another has. Perfect. How do I show love? You know, and it's, it's, it's a buildup. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's almost like here you have the Ten Commandments in infancy, you know Israel understanding the law of God in its infancy as a child. Then you have God or Israel more adult, right, understanding it from a different perspective now. Where it's like, no, 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 I can finally tell you the point that I was trying to get you to, yeah. which is love God, right, right. God wants to get you to a place, and I really believe this, where, where it's just like, like if I were to ask you right now, like, would you kill your mother? That's a wild question, I know. Mm-hmm. But would you kill your mother? Right? right? Would you? No. Well, of course not. Why not? 
Because I love my mother. Because you love your mother. Right. And that's the thing. I think God wants to get us to a point where it's just like, bro, the thought of cheating on my wife doesn't even cross my mind. Mm-hmm. Because I love my wife. It's an unfathomable thought. Yep. You know? Yeah, and so, it's all good. Yeah, man. So that's like, I went off a tangent. No, bro, I love that. Movie. It, was, it, was, it, was, I, it was beautiful. We should have had you for the Leviticus episode, for the Ten Commandments <laughs> episode, bro, because you yeah. touch a few points that we shared during during those times. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Damn, bro. We can remix them. Yeah, no, 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 bro. They all coming back. <laughs> as long as as long as we don't gotta be running to the hills, <laughs> we're gonna keep going through this Bible over and over and over. Amen, Episode two thousand and one. We're back in Leviticus. Back in Leviticus, Yo, the fourth time. No, 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 for real, dude. I'm down, dude. Yeah, man, it's for a sure, blessing. Bro. It's a blessing. Because those, 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 yeah, when it comes to like the law, I have a. Let's let's keep going, cause I got bro, I could go. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's keep going, cause we do have a we do have a lot to to go over. So yeah, we are picking up in First uh, Samuel twenty seven. As everyone knows, we're still in the story of David. Last week, just in the essence of time, last week Saul tried to kill David again, <laughs> and David said, <laughs> "Nah, <laughs> nah." Not David today. had the opportunity today, to kill but... Saul again, <laughs> and, da- and, and David said, "You know what? I'll just let it slide." <laughs> and then Saul was like, "Oh my son, yada yada yada. You know, it's you. Let's have a truce again." <laughs> and truce. David was like, yeah, "I'm not going back with you." <laughs> I laugh at that, John, bro, because I feel like David is like at the end just yelling, bro. Just like, I could have took you out. I could have, bro. It was just like, my bad. So, so, I see the error of my ways. Yeah, you, like, you a better man than me, David. That, that's what he said, bro. He's like, bro, you a bitch. Yeah. I would have murked you. Bro. Exactly. Because I would have murked you, boy. Exactly. So we're in 1 Samuel 27. And I'm, I'm going to just start reading and then we'll have the discussion as we go along. So reading from the New King James Version, just. Yeah. For anyone who's following, and David said in his in his heart, "Now I will, now I shall perish some day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines, and Saul will despair despair of me, mm-hmm. to seek me any any more in any part of Israel. So I shall escape out of his hand." Then David arose and went over with the six hundred men who were with him to Achish, to Achish, son of Moach, king of Gath. So David dwelt with Akash in Gath, him and his men, each man with his household, and David and his two wives, Anonam of the Jezreelites and Abigail of the Carmelites, Nabal's widow. I like how they just point that in just for like, <laughs> just remember what don't he forget, did. Don't forget, don't forget. Don't <laughs> forget. And it was told to Saul that David fled to Gath, so we sought him no more. Mm. So, I mean, I just want to mm. put a pin right here. Like, we see the humanity of David here. Yeah. Because just in the last chapter, he could have killed Saul again. I know yeah. we just made light of it, but he could have killed Saul again. Yeah. But think about it now. You're letting the person who is trying to kill you go. Mm-hmm. Knowing that, I've been here really and truly, we could say four or five times. Yeah. He killed him with a spare once. Tried, yeah. I came back. Mm. He tried it again. I tried it again, yep. Yeah. I ran. He pursued me multiple, multiple times. times. Yeah. <laughs> and now, because of God's conviction, I said, I'm not going to lay hands on this man again. Because we see, what, what was his uh, servant who was with him? I forget his name already. I mean, I could go oh, back and yeah, look. Oh, yeah, and he yeah. Wanted, and he was trying to tell him, yeah, you like, should Yo, kill him. I'll kill him right now for you. Yeah, I'll, I'll kill, kill him right now. I'll end your one problem hit. right now. One hit. <laughs> one, you don't want to dirty your hands. Not even twice. Just you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to dirty your hands. I'll kill him for you. Yeah. Take the, I'll... I will take this yeah. sin away from you. Yeah. And I'll it's, be shy. And it's crazy how David brings up that point where he's just like, yo, uh, Saul, like, your security's trash. Yeah. yeah bro. Like, like, you need to kill them, bro. <laughs> no, David was basically saying, bro, you trying to kill me? You should kill them, bro. You should kill them for being so bad at their job, bro. <laughs> exactly. That's it's, essentially what he was saying. Like, yeah. That is wild. And, and it's crazy because as you're talking, it kind of reminded me of the fact that, like, Saul. It's almost like a pharaoh. It's almost like pharaoh in Exodus. Uh huh. Like I'm gonna kill you. Oh no no no! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'll let you go. Yeah, I'll let you go. I'll let you go. And then he goes again. And no 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 no! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's like, it's like like his heart really isn't convicted, really, or remorseful, or, or repented about anything that he's doing to David. And that's what I was gonna say too. It's like an issue of the heart with Saul. Yeah. It's like how we see in Exodus. It was like. Pharaoh hardened his heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart, and then God yeah. hardened his heart at a point in time. 
And to me, I think that's where Saul is right now. He kept on hardening his heart so many instances over and over and over again to mm. the point where the Bible doesn't explicitly say God hardened his heart, but Saul's heart and ways are already like set in stone yeah. at this point. Sadly. There, there, there isn't much changing from Saul that you're going to get. <laughs> and we can see David's coming to that point now. We've seen he said, I will perish someday. Yeah. And think about it. This... David also is God's anointed. God already anointed you to be mm. the next king of Israel. Mm. That's already set in stone. Yeah. So think about it. You have God's divine protection, even when you don't feel it. Mm -hmm. But yeah. now you're saying to yourself, mm. Mm. I am going to perish yeah. because Saul is going to get to me one day. Yeah. And I think the, 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 that mindset is wrong in David's part. Oh, for sure. Like... Just from the fact of the beginning of it, where he says, like, in my heart, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that means that he didn't have the discussion with anybody else, right? It, it, like the Elijah story, right? Where he's just like, yo, I've been seeing the provision of God left and right, right? The, the, the guy in, in, in chapter 22 tells David, hey, listen, don't yeah. leave. The mm -hmm. prophet Gath. Yes, the yeah. prophet Gath. He tells him, yo, God, God, I'm sorry, God. Go, yeah. go, to, go to Judah, mm -hmm. right? I mean, God is literally delivering you every single step of the way. You got people left and right telling you you're going to be king. Like, so, like, bro, you're not, like, trust in the Lord, you know, and at this moment, he decides you know, not to. And you know what's so funny about it, too? He said it in his heart. He didn't, he didn't even vocalize it. He didn't it even at say all. that. No, <laughs> like, no like it. he literally said it, and he was like, just in his mind, if I stay here, I'm going to just die. Like, he, like, because the reason why I said it, why it's so important, no one, he, he robbed anyone around him yeah. who was close to God as well to from the encourage from the yeah. opportunity to encourage him or talk him out of it. Mm. But, mm. But, yes. but let me tell you, that's how I know David sincerely felt this way. He's sincerely scared, bro. And he was like, bro, uh. I know he's going to get me one day. I, and I just want to put this out there to shoot David some bail. I agree with you. David was wrong. But for context... David probably was a young boy when Saul was anointed to be king and when Saul became king. Mm. Saul, perhaps in his first year, we don't know the exact timeline, but we know shortly after Saul became king, he was going to fight the Philistines and he didn't wait on Samuel to, do, to offer the sacrifice. Samuel comes to him and say, your kingdom will be taken away from you, right? I think the very next chapter, it says Saul reigned for 42 years or something along that line, for 40-something mm -hmm. years, right? Mm -hmm. so, for, so all David knows is that he is anointed to be king. And this previous king, his reign is going to end. But he lived a lot of life after that, right? Mm -hmm. So to David, he might be saying, bro, this one man who anointed who God, I could have killed him, but God tell me not to kill him, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, God obviously want him alive for some reason, right? Yeah. And he's lived decades since the fact that God <laughs> was supposed to take away his kingdom. So David is probably looking at his life like, bro, this man just can't die. This man is invincible. God <laughs> have a special protection on him. And I already see that no one can kill him, not even me. Yeah. I had the opportunity twice and I, I was not able to do it. I was not yeah. allowed to do it. So David probably looking at it and saying, bro, truthfully, truthfully, First of all, we got to stop meeting like this, right? <laughs> but secondly, truthfully, David was saying like, yo, at some point in time, we're going to meet up and the roles will be reversed. I got lucky twice. This David feeling like he got lucky. Mm -hmm. Not that God literally put him in this predicament. Mm -hmm. He feel like I get lucky twice, but the third time is the charm. Yeah. And I might not be so lucky that time. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah, and, I, and I think it drives him to, and I, and I wouldn't, I, looking at the passage, I wouldn't say like scared. Because if there's anything about David, this he's man a brave is, man. This man is brave, bro. This man is, this man is just wild. He fought a lion, bro. bro. I don't bear, bro. Fought a lion, bro. You fought a bear, and then you over fought a, a lion. Over a sheep. Mm. Over a sheep, bro. That thing would have been torn apart if it was sure, me, bro. Sure. I would have been wearing that sheep. But for this sure. is the thing, bro. Like, it's crazy. Yo, the thing is, I really feel, and this is something we were discussing, but it's, I think David was just like, I'm tired. Mm. And there's a point to prove that too when I look back at it. But I'm mean, like, finish, finish I'm your point. Finish I'm your point. tired, bro. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of being in the wilderness. I'm tired of, you know, you pursuing me for no reason. Like, bro, I did nothing to you. Mm -hmm. And you keep chasing after me. The moment that I finally, I just want to be in a home. Not, not just, now it's not me alone. I got 600 people with me now. And I got wives. I got a family. I got, wives, I got family. Yeah, like, yeah. and where now, ever I go, they have to run with me. Like, 
like, bro, enough is enough, you know, in that, in that weariness. And I think that also, not just when you look at it from, and I don't know how you guys do this, but it's like pulling out applications just for like our lives. Today. Oh, definitely. Oh, for sure. Go for you, know, it. you know, when you see like David, that example, I think even it's applicable today. When, um, um, you look at even the New Testament when it talks about like weariness. Bro, it's a serious thing. The book of, of Hebrews is written for Christians, uh, Hebrew Christians that are tired, hmm. that are weary, and they're thinking about going back to, to Judaism. their former to Judaism, to their mm -hmm. former. And so the whole book is an encouragement of like, yo, I know you're tired. Hmm. I know you're weary. I know there's been difficulties and you know, left and right and all Mercy. stuff. And I'm encouraging you, don't leave the better. They, mm. That was was that written during a time of Christian persecution? Yeah, mm -hmm. right. So the time of trouble. It, yep, it for, them, for, them, for, them, for them, for them, for them, yeah. for them, for them. But David is also experiencing it, this time of trouble. So, mm -hmm. and, and that's the point I made. Like I think, like two episodes ago, or maybe last episode, I think I, I made that point. David is literally. I think David may have coined the phrase "time present help in a time of trouble." I think that's a psalm. You understand mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. And so we equate with prophecy back to full circle, like to what we were saying. <laughs> prophecy. We we equate. And time prophecy to us being in a time of trouble where we can't buy or sell, and you know the beast, and they just trying to wage war against Christians and stuff like that. Yeah. But there were Christians during the Bible time, during when the Bible was written, that were being persecuted. Yeah. In like the first century, the early yeah. first century, and so for context, they would have they would have been tired in the same way David was tired because David was being persecuted. For being righteous. Mm. It's the same thing. It's the same parallel. Time mm -hmm. of trouble, time of trouble, time of trouble. And we could get into it even. It could get even deeper than that, bro. That's the reason why the prophets was getting killed in, in the book of Kings. You understand mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And so it's mm -hmm. like all those who live godly lives in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You <laughs> yep. know what yeah. I'm saying? Like as that text goes. And so to your point, bro, I feel like that's a that's a perfect example to show how even as Christians, as a group, we can yes. get wary, bro. Yes. We're not impervious to yes. wariness. You feel me? Yeah. yeah and, and what happens is he gets tired and then starts making wrong decisions. Mm -hmm. Right? And we can see this almost what even happened with Moses, how he lost out. Moses was essentially weary. tired and <laughs> weary from all the bickering and everything. And in a split decision, in a split second, he hit the rock. Yes. In a split second, he hit the rock. In this moment of tightness, weariness, and he just made the wrong split decision and cost him not even be able to enter Canaan that he worked so long for. Mm. Can you imagine, bro? You're with a people, and literally they do something, and now you're you're dealing the consequence, bro. It's like corporate solidarity at its, at its max, bro. Like, like literally, bro. Like, yo, the team lost, and now everyone loses, bro, right. for forty years. What I was thinking about too is like David was. Their pseudo king for those six hundred people. Remember, they came to him as their leader. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So remember all the dis remember they were they were a group of misfits. Yeah. All their problems, all their disputes, everything David was solving for them. So he had all of their burdens to deal with. On plus, I'm on the plus I'm on the run. Plus, if Saul kills me, then what? I have to make sure I'm safe. That we're safe. Again. God yeah. told me to go rescue this this town. I went. I drove y'all with me. But guess what? We're all in danger now because Saul's coming here to kill me. Mm -hmm. And you guys are a byproduct of this. I could see, again, being fully human. We already say it ain't right. But from the human aspect, we could understand. Yes. What is what? What, what led him to that? Now, go what, for it. What led him to where? And that's what we're about to get to. To where? To where? To where? To where? This is what we're yeah. going to get to. So I'm going to just read from in verse 5, just to keep the story going to get to your point. And then David said to Akish, if I have found favor in your eyes, Akish being the king of Philistine, of Goth, let, me, let, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So Akish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore, Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Mm. Now, the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and four months. So we wow. see David was there for... A minute. Yeah. Yeah. 16 months. Mm-hmm. And so, first of all, people, uh, my good brothers, Wilfredo and Earl, they blew my mind with this because I have such short memory with, with stuff, bro. Akish, where have, we, where have we heard that name Akish from? <laughs> Just a few chapters ago, I think it was still chapter 22, if I'm not mistaken, when David, when David left Nod, um, 
Chapter 21. 21. When David left Nord, he went to the Philistines. Yeah. And they brought him before the king, whose name was Akish. Akish. And mm. David had to be a madman, a yeah. crazy man, so that he could his so that his freedom could be so that he could guarantee his own freedom. You and see? escape. And escape. So David, we can see David. He is, I don't, he's a clever guy, right? Yeah. And David considers his safety. He's, he's so so said so said he's, he's a clever one, you know? So he considers his <laughs> own safety, David, right? <laughs> but so the worlds are reversed now. The yeah. tables are turned, you understand? Mm. So he is, he is back to a man named Akish. Now, as Wilfredo mentioned off mic, the jury is out whether this is the same guy or Akish may have been a title, but... I, Nakazge, Nakazge, me, for, for all it's worth, I believe this is the same guy because I don't think David was gone that long. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Whatever. Yeah. But now, the fucking matter is the Philistine, king, the Philistine king is accepting David with open arms, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And David also is making requests of the king, which the king is granting. Yeah. And we were just saying, David's feelings led him yes. to make the decision, right? But the decision led him yes. to the enemy. Yes! To the enemy side. Wild, bro. <laughs> it is wild, bro. Like, you might... No, go on. Take it. Go for it. When I was reading this story, yeah. this thing, like... It's one of those things where, like, you know, you read, but then, like, you read it, and it's just like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> like, what did I just read, bro? Like, I never noticed this. You know, the fact that he goes to the same guy, and, and you know, that's like the same dude. Mm. Which is wild because the first time David goes to that city and acts all like, you know, insane to preserve his life, mm -hmm. uh, to show that he's not a threat, you know, he gets kicked out because of his behavior, mm -hmm. you know? Now he comes back to the city that kicked him out, yep. right? And he comes back and it's just like, what, what blew my mind was this. It's not so much that he was led or he's going into enemy territory seeking refuge and gets it, right? It's the fact that Saul led him mm. there it's it's almost like here mm. you have someone who was representing god someone that is anointed someone that is you know churched right man, go, go down go down that's someone that is trying to just keep power keep authority keep you know face right in front of the people yeah to the point where here comes a young buck coming in who's going to be doing things differently. Yeah, he got no ideas. He got mm -hmm. no ideas. You know, he does things that are more, you know, effective. Point is, it's someone that... He say it again. Do you, you brush past it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You say it too effective. 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 I did say effective. Okay. More effectively to the point where, you know, we were talking about it earlier, right? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, listen. Saul kills a thousand, mm -hmm. but this man kills... Tens of thousands. Yeah, that's someone that's more efficient. <laughs> if, if I do say so myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and so here you have, and I was looking at it and I'm like, wait a second. Here you have someone who is, you know, of another generation trying to keep a position. And then here you have him pushing away mm. this person that is next in line. Mm. And he keeps pushing and pushing and pushing and persecuting and rejecting and trying to kill the ideas or, or kill the person, Right. To the point where he leads him into the hands of the, of the enemy. enemy. And not just that. When, when I was looking at it, in reality, what David is pretty much saying is like, yo, just give me space. Mm. Just give me room. Yeah. Right? To grow. No, no, no. You need to live in my house. Mm. You know? Yeah. You need, you need to be, I got to keep an eye on you. Need to be, I need to keep yeah. an eye on you. Make sure you're doing things right. <laughs> yeah. You know, things accordingly. Mm. You know, and if not, I'm going to throw a spear at you. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, and then he goes into... Right? The enemy's home. Sick lag, yep. Yep. And then he goes, and the first thing he does is he requests space. 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 Wow. And the dude's like, of course. Sure. Yeah, sure. In fact, yep. you know what? 25 miles to the south, there's a city. You can have it. It's yours. It's, it's, it says David on it. Yeah, it's yours. It has your name written on it. <laughs> Free of charge. Free. But I, see, and, and, and that's why I really, I actually really, really enjoy, and we have gas on the port because... Some of the ideas, man, like, obviously, I have my own ideas, right? Earl has his own ideas. Earl blows my mind all the time. Some of the stuff he's, he's get out of the world. Like, man, I didn't even see that. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, too kind. But, <laughs> no, but I'm saying, bro, I would have never, I would have never considered the message because, mm -hmm. brothers and sisters, just by the time this part comes out, 
I would have already preached a sermon. I'm, I'm gearing up to preach tomorrow. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, so my mind, my mind is in sermon mode on the low, <laughs> which it, it never, it usually never is, right? But now I'm reading this this chapter, and Wilfredo texted me this morning like, man, bro, just, just an hour in itself, this chapter. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm like, bro, it's only 12 verses, bro. We're going to get an hour out of this, right? But it's like, I, I, I didn't have my... My sermon brain on, bro. Like on my sermon cap on. Like you see, you see that right there. You got, got on, this, on. That's your sermon cap. You got the sermon cap on, right? So it's like right now, I'm really just thinking about how church folk yeah. can be yes. more harm than the enemy or, or the outsiders. The people right. in church can cause more harm yeah. to the people in church. You yes. understand what I'm yes. saying? And I see that with our generation. And I'm not blaming, I'm not blaming people in church, you know, because I, I still feel like people in our generation, sometimes they give, they give more chances to the world than they give to the church. That's yeah. my humble opinion. Yeah. But it, it can be, it, it, it has to be mentioned that sometimes the biggest villains are the people that you call leaders or, or the people that's, yeah, that's, that's in church. You understand what Bro, I'm saying? Bro, look at like, the life of Jesus. Who stood in the way? The Pharisees. The religious leaders. The religious, the religious leaders. leaders. The religious leaders. Yo, the blind, yo, that paralyzed dude's trying to get in the house. Who's in the way? <laughs> the Pharisees. The Pharisees. And then the disciples. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the point where they had to like open a hole in the home, you know, to get the man down. And I, yo, I think your point is very true. And that's what I was trying to, that's what I was getting. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I got from what you said. I was like, like, yo, like, bro, like, and not just any harm. It's the fact that we drive people away. Mm-hmm. And we drive people go for it, go for it, go for it, go for it. All right, but I was, I'm going to go off there. But what I want to note is that it's like a relationship, right? Yes. You can be completely ignoring, let's say, let's say, not a marriage, like a boyfriend, girlfriend. Mm. You could be completely ignoring your partner's needs, their emotional needs, their need for conversation, their love language, right? And they may be disgruntled, right? They may be very disgruntled. And then comes the person to confide, uh, right? For your partner to confide in, right? And they can vent to them, right? That guy, that guy, that that guy, guy. swoops in, says everything that they want to hear. See, but the person who is so vulnerable and who needs this emotional support, right? They don't realize how damaging or how dangerous it is. To, to allow to allow themselves to confide in someone that is not their partner mm-hmm. because this person is in opposition to your partner. This mm-hmm. person wants to take you away from your partner, right? Yeah. This is how Philistines look at, 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 at David and the Israelites. They want to take David away from Israel, right? And so it's like, Oh, oh, you wasn't getting space over there? Yeah. I'll give you a whole town, bro. You used to live in a cave. No, buddy. I'll give you a whole town, bro. Like you feel me? You wanna you wanna go? You wanna go run off and and go on military campaigns? Go, bro. Yes. I'm not gonna micromanage you. That's what Saul was doing. Saul put him in charge of all of these different um he put him in charge of all of these campaigns because he was trying to kill him. He's yes. trying to get Saul. Yes. He's trying to get David to die. And like you said, I want you to live in my house. I want you to. Mar- I want you to marry my daughter. Yeah. You I understand what I'm saying? Twice. I insist twice, and I want you to almost die just to get the dowry for for my yes. daughter. Right? These are these are the things that Saul was doing. And then we have the the person in the friend zone, the Philistines. Yeah. Right? They just they they understand David's needs. Right? But obviously, they don't have David's best interest in heart. Mm. The, at the very last chapter, David expressed to Saul that, bro, I have to run around in enemy territory. People are accusing me of worshiping idols. I can't even worship in my hometown. People yep. think that I'm a pagan, right? Mm-hmm. And, it, and then he goes to live among the pagans. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. to David, this is where I could find solace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the only place I can find peace. And I feel, like that's how, I feel like that's how dangerous the devil is, bro. Yep. I, have, I always say this. I always say this. Everybody has a thing. Mm. Everybody has a thing. Everybody has a thing that they feel passionately about that will get in the way of their relationship, get in between their relationship with God. Oh, yes. Some people, it's covetousness. Some people, it's homosexuality. Some people, it's feminism or whatever. Thi- bro, it's always a thing, bro. It's always a thing that you feel so passionately about. Mm. And then you read the Bible and you realize how the Bible isn't as 
directly aligned with your beliefs and you say bro this thing can't be real bro mm -hmm. they have slaves in the bible bro yeah. i was I, i'm a black person we were once enslaved this gotta be the white man's religion because they they pro-slavery in the bible right completely not understanding the context that surrounds it right context but is key. context is key but their thing is black supremacy or black power and the bible doesn't come out and give them that some people think is feminism and the bible don't come out and give them that some people think is different types of sexuality the bible don't come out and give it to that Give it to them. So they go to the denomination. They go to the religion. They go to the philosophy that mm. supports their lifestyle, their thing. Yeah. Because they don't want to submit to God. They don't want to submit to anything. Yeah. And if I, could, if I could find a religion that tells me that I am God, because God is in me, that is where I'm going. Mm -hmm. You feel me? And I'm mm. sure you don't remember your point no more here. At this point, we done so far gone. I just, <laughs> yeah. that's, the point, that's the point of pointing. Sometimes you just got to go with the yeah. smaller your point. And Yo, keep on going. Yes, so I'm going to read because it's it going to turn and it's going to kind of come out again. But then we see in verse 8, and then David and his men went up and raided the Gershites, yeah. the Jezerites, the Amalekites. Mm. For those nations were the inhabitants of the land from, of, from the land from old. As you go to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt, whenever David attacked the land, he left neither man nor woman alive, but he took away the sheep and the oxen, the donkeys and the camels and the apparel, and returned and came to Akish. Then Akish would say, where have you made a raid today? And David would say, against the southern area of Judah, or against the southern area of the Jerimalites. I always butcher that one. Or against the southern area of the Kenites. David would save neither man nor woman alive to bring news to God, saying, least they should inform on us, saying David did, and thus was his behavior all the time he dwelt in the country of the Philistines. So Akash believed David saying, he has made his people, he has made his people Israel utterly abhor him. Mm. Therefore, he will be my servant forever. Wow. My eternal servant. So basically to summarize that, and then mm -hmm. we could just, we could just talk this one out because uh, we, uh, we can't make it to the next, to the next chapter. <laughs> You're right, you're right. And also the, the beginning prompt kind of took like 20 minutes too. Yeah, yeah. Which was yeah. good. Yeah, no, no, no. I, and I love it, bro. I love, and I just, sometimes I feel like we don't have enough time. I actually, sometimes I be wanting to give them two hours, bro. You know what's, but, you know what's so funny too? And just a tangent again. Yeah. The episodes that we think is always going to be the shortest ones end up being the longest episodes. That's true. Episodes. That's true. Sometimes we'd be like, man, we scraping for content with this one, bro. And then <laughs> you know, the you Holy get to Spirit gets to moving. Next thing there's fire coming out. Is what, so kind of my point before mm -hmm. was, too, God never takes away our talents. And yeah. we as a church have to be careful who we run out of the church. Mm -hmm. Because you could run away the next champion out of the church, and now the champion is in the hands of the enemy. Mm -hmm. And what could have Working been used for you. God mm -hmm. yeah. is going to be... I don't want to say double, but Satan going to bring it out. Yeah. And when you fighting against KD, when KD could have been on your team, mm -hmm. is a whole different ball game. Yeah. KD's an athlete for people who Yeah, are, KD's a professional a very, basketball yeah, athlete. Yeah. Top five in the NBA right now. I ain't going to get into all that, but he's, yeah. he's a very professional. LeBron James, everyone knows LeBron James. Mm -hmm. yeah. LeBron James. If LeBron James is on your team, you feel the utmost confidence. But what happens when you're an owner mm. for... Real and this really happens. What happens when you're an owner and you run away your star player? Mm. What happens when you're a king and you run away your champion? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now your champion is fighting against you. And this is where we see, this is what's happening right now in Israel. Saul ran David away into the hands of the enemy. Now we can get in to see what David really was doing in this 16 months in exile, which again, we were talking about this before, before the part, but it, it's, it's, you're just living a big lie right yeah. now in all the ways. Yeah. You really want to be in Israel, but you're, you don't want to deal with Saul. So you came where you feel that you have safety, which in itself is a lie because you're literally in the hands of the enemy dwelling among them. Mm. You're lying saying you're attacking the Israelites, your own people, right. but you're not really attacking them because you love your own people, but you're in still having to find a way to support your society you turned you and your 600 men into blatant mercenaries. Yep. Yeah. Let's just like this like, you they are. Looters, they literally. looting. You looting, you yeah, robbing, yeah. and you and you you're killing innocent people at this point. Right. Yeah, these Women. are the enemies of God. But yeah. first of all, when God tells you to go kill them, that's when you kill them. Exactly. Not when 
you're taking it off of your own fruition yeah. to say, I'm going to go attack the Jerusites. Yeah, they are enemies, so why not? <laughs> but then you're killing everybody just to cover up your big lie. So you, yes, then you can go seen. back to the king and lie and said, yeah, I'm, I'm attacking your enemies when I'm attacking my enemies, but I can't take credit anyway for either of them because both of them are lies. Because yeah. <laughs> I even shouldn't be doing it, so I can't even contact God. Yeah. And it's a fun fact when I was doing some research, because like, we, as we're going through the book of David, well, so book of Samuel. David, the book of Samuels, yeah. we're like, David wrote a lot of Psalms during these times. Mm-hmm. During this 16 month period, he didn't write any Psalm at all. Nice. This mm. shows how, f- this is one of his lowest points in yeah. the reign, quote unquote, of David or the life of David. Because it shows how far from God, how cut off from God, he purposely made himself as he was going through this period. Mm. Because he felt, mm. and even going back to this, he's saying that Saul wouldn't despair me no more. But no, David, you're the one who's despairing because you're the one who, <laughs> you're the one who's tired of being chased by Saul. You're yeah. the one, let's call it for what it is. You're the one who is tired of trusting in God. Mm-hmm. Because to Kazi's point, God already provided for you. God already did all these things for you. But now you don't even want to deal with that no more. You don't want to, Saul's living too long. I'm tired of, like, you tell me I'm going to be king, but when? Yeah. I'm tired of doing this, Lord. Yeah. I don't even want to talk to you no more right up and now. And, it, and it's crazy because you mentioned I'm tired of not being king. And I think you brought up the point, or was it you, where it's like, he's almost acting like a king mm-hmm. <laughs> in this city yeah. with these people, you know? Um, and, and the way he's living is straight up, like, for me, as I was going over the passage, I was like, yo, David is dirty. Mm-hmm. Like, here you see glimpses of a nature of David that is seen even as a king, right? Mm-hmm. Yo, I'm going to do this dirt, but I'm going to cover it up to the max. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to get people. I'll kill people if necessary. I'll kill everybody. Like, I'll no kill, witnesses. You know everybody. what's so funny? In, like, in Uriah's, in the glimpse. Mm-hmm. But like, you know what's so funny? Like, I want you to hold your point, right? But right now, David, you're almost indistinguishable. Distinguishable from what Saul from is doing. Saul, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Like you've turned into the person you don't want to be. Yes. Again, because the two points are all in common. You guys both disregard God's word at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, no. And to, to literally, I think Saul even did that. He killed all ev- of the priests of Nod. Everybody in Nod. Everybody in Nod. Everybody yeah, but even, even the first even time, I think he, he God told him, yo, destroy everything. People, cattle. He's yeah, like, I saved the cattle. Yeah, I saved the cattle. Yeah, I, and then yeah, he, I'm, I'm, the the king. I'm the king. I'm the king. Yeah, <laughs> the most yeah. important part. You know, and, and I think David is almost like, man, I, I, I'm here in this city. I'm far enough from the king of, of the Philistines, and I'm close enough to the where I want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm just living this lie. You know, and I think it's crazy the fact that he wrote no psalms in that moment. Mm. Because it just shows, for me, it, it speaks, I think, you know, I, even as a writer, like, whenever I'm in despair, or whenever I'm in, like, just a mode where, like, that's usually when I get the inspiration. I'm, you know, I'm writing about, the fact that David is like, yo, no, no, I don't feel nothing. <laughs> I feel nothing, bro. I feel nothing right I now. I don't even want to write right now. Mercy. Yeah, bro. And <clears throat> what's interesting to me, though, is that Akish has the most confidence in David. Yeah. So mm. David is selling this, you know. Yeah. So when when David came to Akish, he probably told him, "Bro, we got beef on our side, bro. I ain't, yes. you can see I got my own situation going on. You can see these ain't these ain't soldiers in the Israelite army, bro. Yeah. I'm a I'm a I'm I'm set apart right now, bro. Like I'm on the run. Akish seeing it as like that's like like when you hit a jackpot, bro. Like Oh, like when somebody just letting something go for cheap, for dirt cheap, but you like, bro, you don't see the value in this, right? Mm, so mm. he comes and he gives him, he shows David a good time. And David is egging him, he's egging him on. Yeah. He's like, bro, yeah, bro. I, <laughs> David going to kill all his enemies, right? He come back like, yeah, I just killed a bunch of Israelites, bro. The people of Judah, <laughs> yeah, bro, I killed them, bro. I killed everybody, right? And Akish just like kind of strokes his ego yeah. because he's like, man. This dude is my son right now, bro. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I made this possible, right? Yeah. And he is, he, he's so loyal to me that he is becoming obnoxious to his own people, bro. It's like, keep your point. I just want to read this last part of 28 verse because it ties into the story. Yeah. So just to like prove your point too. Now it happened in those days that the Philistines had gathered their enemies together of war to fight Israel. And a kiss said to David, you assuredly know 
that you will go out with me to mm. battle you and your man. Mm. So David said to Akish, surely you know what your servant can do. Mm-hmm. And Akish said to David, therefore, I will make you one of my chief guardians forever. And I think that's right. Just summarizes the story and end this part of it. So Yes, yes, what? bro. The fact, the fact that David was like, yo, King Saul's like, I'm going to make you my armor bearer. Mm-hmm. And now the king... The Philistines like no 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 I'm gonna make you my bodyguard mm-hmm. forever. Yeah, you I know thought. this is perpet this is yeah, per- perpetuity this yeah. is perpetuity bro. Just you're here and the fact that he responds with like yo you know what I could do you know what I could do <laughs> you know what I could do bro because like if we could get into the psychology of it right David knows that he's about to be caught in a lie right now. Yes. If David is on the front line with the king fighting Israel he's about to expose himself right but he can't come clean just yet yes. right so. He's so the king's like, bro, like the king's super excited. He like, bro, David, we going out to war. You gonna be right on the side of me, bro. We gonna kill those Israelites. And David like, yeah, man, you know, you know what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know how I get down. You, you know how I get down. But he look, bro, but, but it just sound like he lying, bro. Yeah, like, bro. Just sweat, just coming down. Just bro, bro, fuck, bro, because like he gives no, bro, he gives no elaboration on what he's even talking about. He's no. like, yeah, yeah. Now you can see what I, what I, what I do. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, now yeah. you can see what I do. And, and I, Man, it's crazy that he's living in enemy territory, mm-hmm. still in a weird way fulfilling what God had kind of mentioned, right? With 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 getting rid, like opening the land for the Israelites, mm. being against, um, lying about it, yep. playing both sides. Yep. Um, <laughs> and, and it's crazy because it's almost like even if you know you're pushed away into you know enemy territory and stuff like that, the way he's maneuvering, bro. Like, it's about to be exposed. Yes. Like, to the utmost. Yes. <laughs> you know? So it's like, everything is beginning. And, and I think it's interesting to that point where it's just like, in your life, even as a Christian, where you're just like, okay, um, they push me out. So I'm just going to go do my own thing. Right? Um, because sometimes, as you were mentioning earlier, the fact that like, a generation does it this way. And what happens is many times the next generation, the pendulum swings the complete opposite way. You know, and then it's just like a complete different reaction. Um, and you think like, oh, well, I'm going to do things this way, but I'm still going to like serve God here and there like this still, you know, just 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 not fully. Mm-hmm. You know, you begin to then almost begin live like a duplicitous life mm-hmm. that will be exposed. Mm-hmm. Like it will be exposed. You know, devil enemy's going to come to you like, yo, you know, we're about to ride out. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be like, <laughs> you know how I do. Yeah, you know how I do. You know like, how I do. We're gonna see how you do. Yeah, no, we're gonna see. No, uh, we're we giving you the platform. You know, this, this is your time to shine. Actually, bro, like all the things that you've been bragging about, bro, has has made this possible. You know what I'm saying? Like, and one thing, a few things I wanted to mention about this, and we kind of talked about this to good to a good degree off mic. What David did was. He was actually moving in opposition to everything God had done. And the reason, and for me to clean that up a little bit, is that by David going to the enemy, David's beef was with Saul, but by going to the enemy, you fully expose it, you fully expose the condition of the Israelites. Mm. The king, last time David was there, the king had no clue that David and Saul were at odds, which is why the king would have killed David if yeah. David had not acted crazy, right? So now, when the king sees you, he don't see you as an enemy no more. He see you as an ally, right? Mm. And now, the Philistines have more confidence to ride on the Israelites. Yeah. So essentially, David, in protecting himself, he's hurting the Israelites more and more. And if we had time to get into the next chapter, we would, we would see that even more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in the very next chapter, a lot of us are familiar with that chapter. Um, that's <clears throat> a bottled story or whatever with the Philistines. But the Philistines had accomplished so much when they mm-hmm. realized that David was absent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You feel me? When David mm-hmm. was still around or, or before they knew there was beef, the Philistines could never get that far. As a matter of fact, even when the Philistines tried to raid Kyla, right? Mm-hmm. David just attacked them. So 
and, and that's my way of proving that the last time David um, came to the Philistine camp, he was legit an enemy. Yeah. And then he even attacked them afterwards. And now, this time, they're accepting them with open arms because now David come there with privileged information, letting them know everything ain't everything as what y'all see with the Israelites. Mm. And so now David is actually being an enemy to his own people because he's a quote-unquote enemy of Saul right now. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah man. Um, two things. And they're very short, actually. One, um, the time that David spent there, uh, I was looking into, is the fact that, like, the Philistines were more technologically advanced than the Israelites. Yeah. Even military-wise. Yeah, they had swords and the Israelites did yeah. not. Yeah. So David, in that time, the year, 16 months, you know, that was there, I'm sure that he learned a lot of things from them mm. that, you know, it took the good, left the bad, mm -hmm. that he led, later implemented into, like, his reign. But also... I think when it comes to, you know, the next uh, chapter, the next, you know, episode when you guys talk about it, um, is the fact that I think God also um, didn't fully intervene to things because because of the decisions that David made, mm -hmm. we will see that he is not liable at all for what happens to Saul. Mm. Like, he is nowhere around, like, for what is going to happen to the man. But yo, I just want to say one more thing. Boy, and I really wish it. we could get into that next that next chapter, bro. Saul is going to have a panic attack. Mm -hmm. Because in Saul's mind, the last time him and David spoke, they pieced it up. And then David went with the enemies. Mm -hmm. So in Saul's mind, David is coming to kill him yeah. mm -hmm. with the Philistines. Yeah. You feel me? And so like that, and, and I just go to my point where David really, really. He ain't doing a number on the Israelites without even knowing. You know what I'm saying? Like, he ain't doing nothing specific to the Israelites, but his absence is empowering the enemies of Israel. Yeah. You feel me? And, yeah. and messing with Saul's mind. Messing with Saul's mind, for sure. I think it's just the danger of, like, leaning into our own understanding. Mm. That's what David, like, essentially did this whole time through this whole chapter that we just read. He, let, he leaned on his own understanding. Didn't consult God not once. Hmm. Came up with his own plans. But... The part that's more standing out to me is it wasn't just him, his life that he was affecting. Yes. Because whereas I can make the decision, okay, I can live in Phil I can live in Philistia for a year. I'm not gonna fall and worship their gods. But I can't say that for the six hundred men with me who are with me. I can't say that for their wives. And I can't say that for the little children who are probably with them as well. Mm. And so your actions, his actions, whereas he might have said in his heart, Clearly, that I can deal with this. I can live with the ramifications. You don't know what your how bad your ramifications are affecting the people who are with you. Mm -hmm. How your ramifications are affecting your hometown that you want to protect. Mm. And to me, like that's the danger that we all face when we start leaning on to our own understandings and not consulting God because we think we have everything figured out. Yeah. But God is seeing all four dimensions, nine dimensions, if you believe, we have that many, but God yeah. can see all the angles. And so when <laughs> God is telling us what to do, how to yeah. move and how to operate, he already knows what's gonna be led from this. Yeah. We're only thinking about it one way and nine times out of 10, it's from the most selfish way possible. Mm. I am tired of mm. being chased by Saul. Mm. So I will go to the enemies. Mm. And since you guys are with me, you have to come too. Whatever I decide to do, you're gonna like, follow suit and I, I and to me that's really like what's what's was playing out there because instead of consulting god this whole time not once in i guess 16 months not once that you felt the need to ask god is this really what i should be doing mm. you decided to attack god's enemies because you think they were god's enemies but that might not be what god needed you to do during that time, but you didn't even stop and ask God what he might need, what he needed you to do. God might have literally told you, bro, I've been protecting you all this time. Mm. Just trust me a little bit longer. Like, where is your faith now? Mm. And we as Christians, we all, we all get to that point. I ain't staying here like I'm mighty holier than thou. Like I've been to points where I personally stopped going to church. Mm. I personally was like, I'm over it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, oh, personally, man. I could kind of understand what David was going through. I might not have no one trying to kill me, <laughs> but I understand what it is to being God. I'm just tired. Mm. But then God's still there like, <laughs> I 
I just think about it. I know this might be a tangent. I just think about Jesus, man. Like, I came to die for your sins. Yeah. I was here preaching. People accepted, people didn't accept it. I already died for your sins, but you're still there saying you're tired. Imagine if God got tired hearing our prayers. Imagine if God got tired seeing you commit the same sin over and over and over and over again. Imagine if God got tired knocking at the door of your heart. Because mercy. the Bible says, like when he says, I knock at the door, it's a continual knocking. It's a knocking that I'm not stopping. No matter what you do, I'm still there knocking. You could choose to not answer the door. You could choose to open the door and slap it in my face. I'm not going away. I'm still there knocking. So imagine if God gets tired of us. Yeah. And that knocking is so deep because the reason why he's knocking, he's knocking to people that say, I believe in you. I just don't trust you. Mm. That's why you're outside the house. That's why you're knocking. You know, and I think it's true, man. I think as a Christian, we all get to that point where it's like, man, I'm weary. I'm tired. I've gotten there. You know, where it's like, yo, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to talk about this. You know, yo, the podcast, nah, man, I'm good. <laughs> you know, um, but it just it's crazy how slippery of a slope uh, just disobedience can be, you know, to the fact. And, and the one thing that really stuck out to me when you were talking is the importance and how powerful and how heavy influence is, you know, which goes back full circle to the question that you started with uh, for me. You know, when as Christians now, what do we, bro? What is your you have influence to one person? I think is you like influence seven people a day or something like that. Mm. You know, just a day. Mm. You know, the fact that I'm influencing my my sister, my brother in law, my nephew, you know, the people at work, whatever it may be. Like, and sometimes you don't realize that you know, take into account like yo, like you're actually impacting people's lives. You know, what are you doing with your decisions, with your choices? You know, you just can't be thinking about yourself. You know, to only be thinking about yourself, I think, is to really be operating under the the, the governing principle of Satan's government, which is me first, right? Selfishness. As opposed to living under the government of, 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 of Christ, you know, which the only law is selflessness, you know, which then branches out into, again, full circle, the commandments. You know, and all that things like that. You know, so yeah, no influence is huge, man. I think, I think David dropped the ball on this, and um, I actually, weirdly saying it, appreciate this chapter existing because it shows these mighty men, right, of faith. Like, no, they're just men, yep. right, whose faith wavered here and there, just like us today. You know. Um, and that's why it's so important to cling on to the faith of Jesus. Because that faith does not wave, does not wave, does not wave. In David's mind, the only way he could find peace from Saul is to live amongst his enemies, the Philistines. But in order to stay there, he had to convince the king that he was an enemy of Israel. David and his men went on campaigns where they would raid enemy cities and kill all of its inhabitants. But when he returned, he would lie and tell Akish that he raided the people of his own tribes. But tensions are continuing to rise between the Israelites and the Philistines. And once again, they are going to war with each other. But what side will David fight for? We'll find out next week. <laughs>